0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Our reading today comes from a very famous story that I believe many of us have read or had being read countless times. I feel today there's a wonderful mandate there to help us understand something concerning this God we serve and I believe that God is going to speak to us all distinctively in Genesis the 39th chapter we find a story and those of us who know the story of Joseph out of envy is sold into slavery to the Midianites and then somehow he finds himself in the home of one Potiphar And he prospers in his master's house and his master saw that the Lord was with him because the Lord prospered everything that was in the hand of Joseph. Now, if you'll allow me, in the seventh verse, the Bible says, it came to pass after these things that Joseph's master's wife, that is Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master watcheth not what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Now then, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It came to pass, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And one day, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment with her and fled and got him out. It came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and was fled forth. She called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in and took me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and came to pass when he had heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. Then he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garments by her until uh, his Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which you have brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. It came to pass as I lifted my voice and cried. Then he left his garment with me and fled. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife when she spoke unto him saying, After this manner did thy servant do to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prisons. Verses 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why is this story important? Because when you read it, you cannot imagine that as an individual, you'll ever find yourself in a situation like that, not necessarily the exact story that we find in the text. But I mean to say that when you read these things, as they are written, the Bible tells us that the things that were written for were written for your learning. That through patience and comfort of the scriptures, the Bible says, you might have hope. Everything written in the Bible is for you. It's not for another person. Perhaps in your life you have seen somebody go through a story like this or a story similar to this. And you cannot imagine that one day this kind of thing or this kind of narrative can ever surround your destiny. That one day you can wake up and something is said about you you do not even know how to get yourself out of there are people who have gone through this and then there's people who don't have a clue of what i'm talking about especially those of you who are still growing in life but you see if i need to help us understand this in the context it should be understood especially if you read the extra uh biblical texts like joshua and the rest non-canonical but very aligned to this Bible you read. This woman, and what some of you miss in the text, but in detail is written, you know, Josephus of Alexandria and many other writers who tried to dig out the stories to their depths that sometimes some of the books written would not give. Um, You'll find yourself asking, why would this woman do this to Joseph because he refused to lie with her. But the book of Joshua explains in the first place you'll ask yourself why is it that one day she marks him at the time where nobody was in the house. And the story said that one of those days there was a feast where almost all the men of the kingdom were to attend and Potiphar has to go with his wife. And she begs him to step back because she said She was sickly, and Joseph had to stay back to serve. And so that's how this story comes through. And again in that explains why she screams, because see, when he comes into the house and then she tries to want to lie with him and forces him and he refuses and his garment stays with her. When she sees him running, she assumes that he is going to go to his master directly and expose her lewdness. Are you following? So what does she do? She'll have to set her own testimony in the house among the servants that are present so that by the time Joseph gets to the master, there's already a narrative at home. Unfortunately, Joseph did not say anything. But that's the only reason why she screamed he was trying to rape me because she thought she would get fast at him. And then for a moment I sat and thought that this woman is sad and weeping and there's a confusion in her head because she could not govern her passions and she's weeping over her indifference, but without, she has set a narrative that somebody has made an attempt on her chastity. And I wonder how somebody lives with that But in your head, you spoke something negative or a lie actually about another person and you are okay, or you are not willing to do what is right. I don't blame her. I don't know where she was in her walk with God. I don't know what befell her. Maybe it was one of those things we cannot explain. But this beloved woman fell into this and this fellow ends up in prison what is Joseph thinking what is in the mind of a fellow who knows he has a God and he has a plea he knows that he's not in prison for any reason he's falsely accused but here we are And the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. And he had mercy with Joseph. And he put favor on Joseph, in spite of the fact that he was in what? Prison. And the ways of God, like the psalmist says in 86 when he prays, in verses 11, he says, Teach me thy way. Teach me thy way. The ways of God are not so plain for us to see. They're not so direct for us to interpret. Because you'll ask yourself this question. Must a man go through this? Must a man go through this? Because you want to use him to deliver people. Are we following what I'm saying? But if you do not know the ways of God, then you don't understand truth as you ought. That's why the Bible says, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Reconcile my heart with your ways to understand who you are, your person. Because many of the mistakes we make in life, men and women of God, is because we assume we know God, yet we do not know him. Thank God because we're a new creation. It is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Thank God because you're a new creation. You have an unction from on high, therefore you know all things. And that's an experience you can only plug into as you grow up in the way of faith. And I've realized that revelation can never be perfected without the understanding of the way of faith. Yet faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've seen that sometimes God will position us to hear enough to believe, to understand. Did you hear that pattern? God will cause us to hear so much enough to believe then into understanding. Because the way of revelation is a way of faith. It's not so much of what you're able to pursue, but more of what's available for you if you know how to position yourself to receive it. When the Bible says you have an action from on high, you know all things, it means you know all things. You just don't know that you don't know. And you cannot know only by reading the Bible, okay? But you know, as you read the Bible, faith comes for you to believe. And as you believe, you are stirred in your spirit to connect to what is already available for you by Christ. And then it starts to flow out of you so easily. Not as something you learned, but as something you understood by what you learned. Who is understanding what I'm saying? So it's like prophecy. You can never prophesy until you're sure God has spoken to you. But we cannot, you know, ignore the fact that we have had feigned faith experiences and unfeigned faith. Experiences. What is feigned faith? Feigned faith is the faith that deceives the self. Quote and unquote, faith that deceives the self. All right? People who assume or allude to carry a faith of which result they cannot manifest. They believe, but they don't show the results of their faith. That's faint faith. It is deceived. Okay? You think you believe, but you actually don't because it's not working. And then, there is unfeigned faith. 1 Timothy 1.5 talks about it. The faith that does not deceive itself because it is established in truth. And you cannot have unfeigned faith, that pure faith without the consecration of your conscience. It's out of a consecrated conscience. But the consecrated conscience is a place of the purity of your heart, the integrity of your heart. So you see, if God does not purify your heart through faith, okay, your conscience is corrupted, skewed with many other distractions and voices that might us Allude to God Yet they are not anywhere near Where God is And therefore because of That place conscience Being corrupted Where you hear God from Then you are carrying a faith Which is feigned Because you have had wrong And we have people who are so proud And so hard-hearted And the Bible calls some stiff-necked That even when they're wrong They cannot accept that they're wrong Even when you show them they're wrong They'll look for a justification because they would rather, you know, preserve their pride than break before God for their progress. Again, it's a foundational experience. Some of us are foundations, we're not good. The way we learned God, you see? If we're talking about foundation, some of you, the reason why you're struggling in your Christian faith is how you got to learn Christ. So when Paul makes a statement like, you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. In other words, that is not how you have been taught concerning Christ. It means that there are various ways in which certain people have learned of Christ. You see? So it's not about telling people about Jesus, but how we tell them about Jesus is also important. Wow. You see? That's for a masterclass for ministers. It's not about telling you that Jesus heals, but how we tell you concerning his healing is important. It's so not about us telling you that Jesus saves, but how we give you that message, how we relay those truths to you is important. That's a learned spirit. That's a man or woman, a minister, which has been instructed in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. That's a person who is not only learned, but they become a scribe, okay? The Bible says that every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like an unto man that is a householder. The Bible says, which bringeth forth out of his treasures, both new and old. But the Bible tells us it speaks of a man which is a scribe, a scribe, a scribe, which is instructed unto the kingdom. At one particular point, let me tell you something. As you continue to learn Christ, you become a scribe. You start to imprint in the patterns of truth, the word of God, the revelation of God in a way that reveals Christ so distinctive, not as though they did not know him, but as though they could only know him by your subscription let me make it simpler when the Bible says that you're a written epistle known and read by all men okay you're ministered the Bible says by us this is Paul now saying that you are a written epistle when they look at you somebody writes and whatever is written in scripture is actually you because you are created as a new creature in the very nature of and person of Jesus Christ. For God in Christ, the Bible says, created you. So you're a piece of written, but you're not only to be written, you are also to write. Okay. And in this writing, it's not just this pen of ink, I'm talking about the pen of the spirit. The Bible speaks of Enoch as a scribe of righteousness. Did he write about righteousness? Do you have any writings on Enoch writing about righteousness? Not that you know. It was not so much of what many read concerning what he wrote because we don't know what Enoch wrote. But the stories about Enoch, this man which walked with God and was normal, are that he was so consecrated in God that his life became a pattern to read. So everything he did was as one writing something for a reader to read. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why God consecrates you to a place where somebody or people study you, your life. They wanna learn certain things. They don't need to go to the mountain, prayer mountain. They just need to look at you. Somebody shout hallelujah. They just need to look at you and they have a word. They have an answer. You become a scribe. You're not just a partaker of the things concerning the kingdom but you also become a scribe of them. You become that example which people can read because everything you do writes something. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So back to what I was trying to tell us here. Now, Joseph, as in the ways of God, revealed through his story, is in prison, but God wants to teach you and me something very, very important that it is possible for God to allow falsehood, lame accusations, deceptions, scandal to pursue you because it's the only way or it is the defined way for him To design redemption not only for you, but for all who read you. (laughs) Who has understood it? Who has understood it? Who has understood it? God can allow something to come up so false. And then you say, oh God, why? How could, why would even somebody think this? You understand? Strike them, but they die. And God says, no, it has to go this way. You'd think, Potiphar's wife, eh, as she was speaking, Joseph, God would literally just get into, and all of us are thinking that way. Because that's how we understand justice. Isn't it? You'd think God would have to get this guy and say, huh, as she opens her mouth to speak, I'm going to choke her. Oh yes, our God can do it. Our God can do it. I know that some of you heard of a story. Was it Benson in the whole of a news reporter who falsely read something about him deliberately and he pointed into that screen and spoke in tongues. We hear the television station went out of power. They tried to switch on generators and what? By the time the lights were on, but all this fellow was gone. The guy was reading the news. Okay, God can do that. And that's the one we usually want to associate with. (laughs) Kill them quick. (laughs) But what about this God who is revealing another way through which he can work? What about this God who can allow the falsehood on your life and allow that story to even move? And you pray and he says, let it. Because that's the only way Joseph can enter prison. It's the only way he can interpret that dream. Perhaps if he didn't enter prison, Potiphar would promote him out of Egypt. Have you ever thought about it? Yet Egypt would need Joseph one day when Pharaoh dreams. And then these two fellows he finds in prison, he will interpret dreams and then one will forget him because if he remembers him early, perhaps it will be a way for him to return back to his father's house. But God has to keep him in prison because one day, in fact, you see it in Genesis 50 verses 20. Finally, when Joseph is talking to his brothers, he says, but as for you, you sought evil against me. But God meant it and too good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That somebody can plant so evil for you, and then you scream, "God kill them, hang them, put them on a tomato tree, and they die." While in the middle, the Bible says God is building something so big that through even what you never thought you could come out of. God is designing something for the salvation of many. Whoever knew, except Joseph had gone through this. And I'm preparing you, for some of you, I'm preparing you. Some of you, I'm affirming what you already understood by your spirit. That one day something might happen and find you in a problem and a challenge that you are not able to bring yourself out and yet you have not contributed anything to that circumstance. But I want you to remember this sermon one day. That you're not the first one. You're not the last one. People have gone through this. But I know a God who can allow evil deliberately. Even allow them scheming. Hear them talk about you. Plan and plot to destroy you. And he will do nothing. You'll even contribute some Coca-Cola for them. Because they need to wet their throats as they are planning for you. But don't get me wrong. God is not done. God is not out. God is not distracted. He's not distracted. He is building something so big. And only men with understanding can get this. That is why when you know the way of the Lord, you learn to be very slow when you're judging Christians. Very slow. That's why the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Because this is the one weapon he has used since time immemorial. It's his most prized relic. It's that one thing he knows that every time I want to bring or destroy somebody down, I need to soil them with something. Like I said, it might have not yet come on your house, but it could come one day. And this sermon one day will be the thing you need to get out. You listen to it and it will break you out. Somebody shout hallelujah. What was this innocent boy to do in prison? What had he done to Potiphar's wife? When you read the Bible, it's story upon story. Recently, I've studied the story of Jesus, and um, let me read for you something in Luke chapter twenty, verses nineteen. During that time, Jesus is walking in power, he's with influence, and he's winning many to the way of the kingdom, and then the Pharisees and Sadducees and the essence of that time become envious against this man. As I was reading this thing, I thought to myself, oh my God, people don't read their Bibles. The Bible says in verses 19, the chief priests and the scribes in the same hour sought to lay their hands on Jesus and they feared the people for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. He had spoken a parable against them He had spoken truth against them. And then they say, "Uh aha, I think we need to get this guy. But how do we get him? They're not seeking after his life because he has spoken falsehood. They're seeking for his life because he has actually spoken the truth against them. So they say, we need to get this fellow. In verses 20, and they watched him, they watched him. That means, do you know you can have somebody following everything you do, but they are not learning they're looking for you. <laughs> Even where salvation is, they cannot land. They're just looking for you. You see? You open a blind eye, but they're looking for you. You get a crippled man out of a wheelchair, but they're still looking for you. That issue is not, you God got do anything. You, you do all you want. Preach mystery, demystify, reveal Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says, they watched him and sent forth what? Spies, which should feign themselves as just men, men who are right, that they might take hold of his word so that they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, these guys which were sent by the Pharisees, they asked him, Master, we know that you say and teach rightly. These are people who want to trip Jesus into confessing or saying something that would implicate him against the rules of Rome, but they are saying, Master, (laughs) Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? He knew they were funny. Why are you tempting me? He asked. Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription is it? And they answered it, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not hold him of his words before the people. And they marveled at his answer and they held their peace. Who are these? The men which came as just men sent by the scribes and Pharisees that wanted to implicate Jesus against Roman law. So in this scripture, Jesus has said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Pay your taxes. Oh, pay your taxes. In fact, at one particular point, if you remember, Peter comes to him and tells him they need what? Taxes. And he says, go in the mouth of a fish. He's trying to say, we must pay taxes. He's teaching his disciples, let's pay tax. He is paying his own tax, even through the mouth of a fish. He has answered the scribes and Pharisees that you must pay taxes. So, the guys which were sent to spy on him know, the people he teaches know, he is doing it himself. By example, that's Luke 20. You go to 23, just two chapters later, okay? And allow me to read that in the Amplified Version. They have now gotten Jesus and fabricated stories against him. Of course, that are not true, as they hated him with no cause. And we see the Bible says, verses one, then the whole assembly of them got up and conducted Jesus before Pilate now these are the other Pharisees which had sent spies and they began to accuse him, read the Amplified asserting, we found this man perverting misleading, corrupting and turning away our nation and forbidding to pay tribute to Caesar saying that he himself is Christ the anointed one, a king. What? Oh English message version let's read in the message Begin from verses 1. Maybe it will help you. Verses 1. Then they all took Jesus to Pilate uh and began to bring up charges against him. And they said, we found this man undermining our law and order, forbidding taxes to be paid to Caesar, setting himself up as a Messiah king. What? 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 Some people don't read their Bibles. Because it even happens in 2023. And some are watching. What? He said, pay your taxes. And a man goes to him and says, this guy, these guys are smart. Because he's king. So he's saying, don't pay taxes anymore to Caesar. But to what? To me, as a king, that Jesus said, where do you begin from? Just as saying they're lying, you as my disciples, the ones that I walk with, even the other guys when they said that's by, those guys, I, did I tell you? That's the moment where you know that God is up to something. Listen, let's continue with the message. Verses three. So Pilate asked him, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is just as you say, I am. And Pilate said to the chief priests and the throngs, listen, this is Pilate telling the accusers, he says, I find no guilt or crime in this man. They've gone to report him to a man who doesn't know whatever drama is there. And he can't see anything wrong with the man. He says, no, but there's nothing wrong with this fellow. Verses 5. And they were urgent and emphatic saying, he stands up and excites the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Jerusalem where he began, even to his place. If you follow that story, the scriptures later in the verses tell you, then they bring Jesus. In every chapter, they bring Jesus to Herod. Herod wants to see a miracle. For him, he doesn't care what they've said. He heard that there's a guy who makes lame blind so he says who is this guy for a long time he's been hearing he just wants to see something happen live he's not even interested in what these guys are looking for you see and the scriptures tell us that day Pilate and Herod became friends they reconciled their issues over one what one man they were enemies Luke 23 verses 12 but Pilate and Herod reconciled we see the end and these guys insist until Pilate says, you know what? Let me wash my hands of this issue. Do as you please. And they crucified the what? The man. So you ask yourself, what is this spirit that centuries old was on a woman and comes through Pharisees and Sadducees and it's the same thing pursuing your master and you assume it died at Calvary. that spirit never died. Because it also works for your good. You just don't know yet. (laughs) Somebody shout hallelujah. One day I was uh, meditating recently and I remember this sentence, eh? this colloquial sentence that the devil is in the details. Eh? The devil is in the details. Like those little small things that he will try to do in the details of your life. But that sentence is not complete until we say God is in the whole. God is in the aggregate. In other words, you have to see the story of Christ crucified. Understand his death and resurrection. And as he's at the cross, Satan is like, I think I am where I'm supposed to be and he's where he's supposed to be. I don't think, I don't believe Satan believed that there was any story of this man after death. Mm-mm. he knew by crucifying him that was enough and then at the cross this man said it is finished as if even what they were doing to him because it is actually was part of the grander plan It was part of the other whole the aggregate that they never saw because they focused on the detail are you following what I'm saying? they focused on those little small things that are being done or said oh and I see Mary weeping. I see the Johns distraught and disappointed. I see the Peters, the guy who made them leave fishing. Now this is the guy at the cross. Oh, if you remember even at the resurrection, when they come to tell them that the guy has left the grave, they could not believe it. They told the girls, it seems you guys are mad. This hit them so hard. There was no salvation beyond that. But they left him for everything. And yet the Bible says, this was the only way he would purchase your eternal salvation. And by that death, the Bible says, he brought many sons to glory. Do you know why all of you are here? Do you know why you're seated in that chair? Because a Pharisee told Pilate, who has understood it. (laughs) Because a Pharisee told Pilate that this man said what he didn't say. And that accusation, even though it could not hold, was all a contributing factor to pressure Pilate to take Jesus where he was supposed to be. Because without him being there, he would not find you. Do you know how many people here are in Fanero because you heard how bad we were. And you said, let me see. Put up your hand. (laughs) Hey, I want the camera to show the Pharisee what they are doing for Fanero. Come on, wave like this. So they told you things and you say, what? They spoil young people. Eh. Mm-hmm. They recruit through what? Watches, eh? Let me watch this wickedness. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> but if that was the price, I had to pay for you to be in that chair. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> because maybe God knew that was the only way we could get you here. As of whether they'll ever know the truth to die, murder. You know the truth. Because I told you my side of the story. No, because you made the truth. That's what they miss. Pontius Pilate is standing before Jesus. He's asking him, what is truth? He's standing before truth. He's standing before Jesus, the truth. And he's asking him, what is truth? He's asking the truth. Are you following what I'm saying? But there were people on the other side who are going to read all of these things and meet the way, the truth, and the life. Let me say it again. God can allow some storm to come because he wants to save men. Let me give you a story some of you don't know that happened recently. We sent a group of people to Lira recently the crew said, and they went door to door, I think two weeks or so. Born again people among whom we also sent pastors, our pastors. Some pastors who are serving in funeral, like Pastor Masazi and Pastor Sam, and some which are submitted to us but are running their own ministry. They were with the mobilization team. You know what? That team alone, before the crusade, won 4,000 souls. So by the time I come in, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Lira is taken on stone. So I preached the first day and the second day I had a pastor's meeting in the morning and I preach and teach and teach and teach and the message is amazing. Then there's this wonderful man of God who comes in as among some of the people which were invited to make comments on the teaching and he loved it. He enjoyed the message, was a representative uh, and advised somebody, a good man, by the way, he understood the message, he, he really was blessed and he affiliated with it, he was connected to it. And then as he was testifying, towards the end of his speech, he stood before the pastor and said, and all of this you have spoken is right. But we are mad at funeral ministries for one thing, and one thing only. When your people went into the market to preach the gospel of Jesus, They bought all the pigs, (laughs) listen, and bought all the alcohol in the market. I'm in a pastor's meeting. Hundreds of pastors have come from afar. They have had revelation. They've been blessed. And a man says, funeral people bought pigs for all, because that was the only way to incite the Muslim and alcohol for everybody in the market, and they bought it all. Mark you, that morning, about 400 women putting on T-shirts from a certain religious organization in Uganda were marching on the streets in Lira saying, Fanero Ministries bought pork and alcohol for people, bought pork. 400 women and they went through matching, saying funeral people bought alcohol, bought, bought alcohol and they bought pork they bought alcohol and they bought pork they bought alcohol and they bought pork they bought alcohol and they bought pork why you say pork you start the Muslim you say alcohol you start the Christian so the reverend um, the father then the bishop uh, who was you know leading us A wonderful man of God, who I think built the First Pentecostal Church in northern Uganda, stands up and says, that is not us. Now, I'm sitting in one place, I am quiet. I am thinking, God, after this kind of revelation, after the distinctive marks that I've dispelled and deciphered concerning the son of Jesus. How can a guy rise up and say that my people, the people I have raised, are selling or have bought alcohol? How am I going to come out of this? We have pastors from out of the country. We have pastors from northern Uganda. Pastors from America there. Pastors from Kenya. What? We have a group of guys more than a thousand of them they're in this room who have come to receive life and a voice has dented us right there (sighs) what were we to do? this man says that's not us he said you know me for long I've worked with Jesus there's a group planning this but that is not by now in that meeting there was a pastor who was supposed to be in the outreach that morning with the pastor Zacks and the rest. But the spirit told him, stay back. And as they were speaking, he put up his hand. He says, I want to testify because I was among those people whom they say bought alcohol. They gave him the mic. He said, number one, born again Christians cannot evangelize Jesus buying alcohol. And win four thousand souls. It's not possible. Now listen, the man says, "I was among." In fact, our boys, when they reached the people who were drinking, and they were drinking from this uh, uh, brewed local thing eh? with uh, wheat and water, they didn't even know what it was. They were told that it's uh, what? It's an alcoholic drink. They didn't even know what it was. And the man gave the story as one who was among that team and said, "I have." never seen anything of that sort. I was with these people through. I was in the market. We can even get you pictures and videos. None of that was done. Now, the people in the meeting, it's as if that's what they were waiting for. It's as if that's what they were what? They were waiting for. And everybody screamed, yeah! Now, by the time the meeting ended, Everybody who was in the meeting, who could have heard this story later, had gone with the right story. Day two, the numbers doubled from day one. (laughs) Day three, the numbers doubled of day two. (laughs) Let me tell you, God can raise a storm just to take you into glory. The problem with some of you, you're not patient with God. you're not patient with God. There are things God can allow to happen. Because he wants to build a testimony for you. And there too, my goodness. But as if God was saying, okay, today let me move in a deeper dimension of miracles than yesterday. My goodness. The deaf had for the first time since they were born. The crippled, the lame walked, the blind saw, the damp spoke. Things started happening there. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. More than 6,400 people were saved. (laughs) And then the Lord told me without that drama. Are disturbing you for nothing. Give them time. A time is going to come where God will with the very temptation, the very test, make a way for you. There are things disqualifying us now, but those are the very things that will qualify us in the few years to come. <laughs> You know, I don't know whether you've ever been in a place I was dealing with somebody, they went for a job and somebody badmouthed them even before the interview. How do you begin it? (laughs) Imagine they badmouth you before the interview after smearing with you. Oh, they can. And you have to enter this interview room with an already biased leader. Hmm. Interviewer. They're already biased. They're inclined. And like Joseph, you might not even pass the interview. That's the detail. The devil was in it. But your story hasn't ended. <laughs> your story hasn't ended. Don't ever think because somebody wrote you off by an accusation, your story has ended. No. Don't ever be disturbed that because somebody hates you, because you are falsely accused, therefore the whole world hates you. No. No. With every degree of hate, God will multiply love toward you. You just need to wait. You just need to wait on God long enough to see him. It might take 10 years. It might take 5 years. It might take 6 years. 7 years. Exodus 14, 14. What does he say? He says that I shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. He can't do it when you're talking too much. No! Sometimes, no, 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 no. Sometimes just find your place and keep on your course. Do what God has called you to do. It is beautiful when God himself comes out for you. Where no matter, the Lord was with Joseph, Because there is nothing that hurts your enemy like God prospering you in spite. Do you know some of you, somebody could have done something to you and knew they had buried you, but they didn't know they were just planting a seed? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? They thought they were burying you, but by God's plan, God was in everything because he knew the only way you'd grow was to die first, be buried first. But for yoga, why would I do this to be who God killed them? No, 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 no. Don't interrupt the planting process. Because if you're planted in shallow ground, you'll not grow. Sometimes you have to let certain things take their course. Sometimes that's why when he says when they slap you on the left hand, you're, you're right. He's not saying that take every beating only, that's shallow. He's deeply trying to say, Nobody's slapping you. Have I not designed a pattern out to deal with it? There is a way I should deal with it. But I'm not going to deal with it by you throwing punches. No, let them bury you enough until they're sure you can't grow. Says so that when you grow, not if, when you grow, it can only be God. And some of you are growing out of stones. Who has understood what I just said? I'm talking about God doing something. I mean, how can a man put animals before him and get trees and cut streaks through them and animals drink and conceive by the instruction of the trees they saw streaked? Except God wants to say that laban with whatever you can steal, this you cannot steal because it did not come through. <laughs> the help of a spotted animal. It came through an inspiration that only God could have given a man and that inspiration was not enough because an animal does not conceive by what you show it except it was phronesis. The wisdom that is determining the end in sight and designs the way this miracle should happen. Some of you that things God will allow to happen to you says that by the time the enemy is done with you he will never say that he contributed to your good there are even people by design god is trying to take out of your life because he knows they might share in your glory and he's allowing all of that to happen so that when you sprout out one day they cannot say that they were responsible for you because in actual sense they wanted you dead And let me tell you, as long as the Lord lives, you will know Joseph, you will know Jesus. But you will never know Potiphar's wife. I'm telling you, something will bury their name. Something will bury their identity. I don't care how big they are. Something will bury their title. And it shall just be said one day that there was a guy. And God can even cause it in a place where even, he will cause you to even forget some of them. Not because you're forgetful. But because that's how much God can rub anything that has set itself against you. So what am I trying to tell you? If you've not gone through this, you'll go through it one day. But when you do, don't move. Just keep on your course. Keep on your course. Let me tell you something can be said and tomorrow you ask yourself. One time, a very prominent bishop in Kampala stood somewhere and said that in Fanero, I have three wives and all of them sit in front with my children. Somebody came to see my wives and they found only one and they got born again here. (laughs) Are you following what I'm saying? whatever it takes for God to get glory to you. The vindications of God are unto glory. That is the mystery of godliness. The Bible says the mystery of godliness is as great as to vindicate you by the Spirit. It's not just proving that God is with you, but it also has a way of creating ages, eons, opportunities to design a world for you, to exonerate you from everything anything that you could have been accused of and he doesn't need to show them the truth because they don't matter in your narrative neither did he go back to did you get it you would think Potiphar's wife at one particular point would come and repent she might never repent she might never tell the truth she might die with her lie but that doesn't expel what God has spoken on your life if they don't need to know he will not explain to them no he'll only bring those ones who will hear you when you say nothing and they hear you most when you say nothing are you following what i'm saying there are things we go through and we go through for some of you so that one day when you find this drama you can sip your cup of coffee cross your legs and eat some pork persuaded that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper nay the Bible says in all these things we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to their purposes nothing against you works against somehow it is building something you might not see it today you might not understand it next week it might not make sense even in your lifetime but one day generation will arise that can judge both worlds and separate light and darkness and can see its teacher (laughs) don't fight kind of battles elbow somebody and tell them don't fight kind of battles (laughs) let god fight for you You see her there? Why do you think she's driving a Benz? Oh, oh. she sells her body at night. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) When I was preaching in Nigeria, one of them said, I went for more power. (laughs) And it's what? Yeah. Lose peace and appetite over that. Why? Because a time will come. It might not happen next week. It might not happen next year. But I know that I know that I know that He's the saving strength of His anointed. And He has a way of fighting for you even when you have not spoken anything that is why when you go through such things this is the prayer you pray you say God do a testimony through me wherewith when they see they will know that nobody can do this except by God I'm prophesying on your life that every accusation that you have had over your life Is just a stepping stone and a positioning mark for God to reveal His strength and anointing over your life. Don't explain yourself. Don't explain yourself. Don't explain yourself. Don't explain yourself. Don't pray out. Uh uh. Don't God take me out. No. Keep in there. And you say, God, you know. I didn't steal it. God, you know. I didn't do this. Oh, what if they fire you? Fold your papers and put your head up. There are people, now, me, you can't pray. You can't pray, oh, God, help him. Said so that they don't say, uh-uh. Because some of us, in every ounce of misrepresentation, we have seen glory. Some things God, I repeat, can allow to boil up because he wants to exonerate you one day. And the only way to exonerate you was to allow them to boil up until they burn up to 100 degrees centigrade. They have to get there first until God hits them down. God can exalt certain things deliberately, however evil they're working against you, because it's the only way they can have their last fall And then you're saying, Oh God, but me, why me? Am I under rejection? You're not under rejection. No, 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 no. The Bible says it was the favor of God that brought you to their attention, the glory of God on your life. There's a portion of scripture that says it somewhere in the message version. Some of you try, oh, why am I being tried? Why am I? Do you know that some of you, there was a time nobody knew you existed? I don't know who I'm talking to. Do you know at some time in life some of you, know, the world never knew you existed? Aha. First Peter 4:14. 4, Read: If you are abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It is the what? The Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. <laughs> without that thing. Do you know there are people in the world whose names are always forgotten? Every time they find you, they say, sorry, remind me your name. Oh. <laughs> Glory! You need more. Hey, what did you say? Some of you, there are people, by the way, do you know there are people you will always forget their names. Every time you bring up the name you say, this lady. Then you, they remind you. Then another day you say, this lady. Then you ask yourself, but why is it that this little name has refused to enter? Yet I know every name. Even the president of Ukraine, I know his name. But this person I see every day, I don't know what? I don't know their name. Because let me tell you, when you don't have glory on your life, even your identity in the spirit gets lost. If you don't have glory on your life, your voice print is frustrated. Your frequencies are distorted. You know, people forget you, mistake you for another person. But there is a time where the spirit of Christ can rest on you. And the glory on your life That they will know your name Even though they hate you They know it Come on, clap for Jesus Even though they hate you But they will know your name And amazingly, you'll not know them But they will know you Let me tell you I'd rather be known yeah the flames yeah yeah the trouble yeah but i would rather be known why because i came to change this world (laughs) no 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 i didn't come to survive no i came to change the world check somebody and tell them i did not come to survive i came to change the world and where i will not revive i will offend but i can't be political tell your neighbor i can't be political I cannot compromise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, laugh at the devil. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. If I had ten thousand tongues, they still won't be enough. When you heal, you heal completely. of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn in judgment. For this is the heritage of his servants. Your righteousness is of him. Let me pray over your life. And I don't care whatever is rooming in the air. Present or coming ahead. This I'll turn to your good. Whatever the enemy has raised for a storm against your identity, your body, your life, your family, your reputation, your credential, I pray that may every demon that will do whatever it will do in future hear this message in advance that nothing. Will sink you in Jesus' name. Give Him a of praise. If you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Wherever you are, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sin you are raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Change me. Transform me. Redeem me. Reveal yourself to me. fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5pm to 9pm and for our Sunday services at 9am and 11am at the Uma Multi Purpose Hall Fenero Make manifest